What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. It's great to be with you guys. I got to tell you, I miss you guys so much. Things have been just crazy busy, but it's all good. And there's always, always appreciation for The Faction Universe. You guys are incredible. Shout out to all of you who continue to interact with us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. It is wildly appreciated. Shouts to all of you who are subscribed to our podcast as well. In all the places you can check us out from Spotify to Apple, Google, and wherever else you may catch us. Thank you so much for your continued support. There's a lot to get to. And so what I'm going to do in these next few moments is really try to hit the high stuff, the stuff that we really want to talk about. I'm not really going to get into a lot of what happened on Raw or SmackDown or Dynamite or Rampage or any of those other spaces because there are some higher level things to talk about. First, let me say thank you to everyone who tuned in to the premiere of Battle Slam Vendetta last week on Fight TV. If you've not watched it, you can go back and watch the replay right now for free on Fight TV. It's kind of a really seminal moment for me personally, as it's the first time that any commentary that I've done has been on a platform as large as Fight TV. As you guys know, Fight TV is really kind of the premier space for combat sports. Uh, We've seen all sorts of folks there, New Japan, AEW does work there internationally, Ring of Honor, Impact, they're all on there and more. And so it's just an honor to have my voice lended to that incredible, incredible array of talent. What a great show it was. What an honor to work with Shug D. And I can tell you that we will be back for the next Battle Slam presentation, which is Battle Slam Fight for Atlanta. It's happening Sunday, June the 12th. So if you want to get here to Atlanta, that'll be amazing. In fact, that whole weekend is going to be special as that Friday will be SHW. W40 will be in the building for that doing commentary Friday night and then on Sunday we'll be at Battle Slam. So I love to connect with you guys. I'd love to see you reach out. Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's take pictures. Let's do all those cool things. That's the weekend of June 12th. So remember June the 10th will be at SHW. June the 12th will be at Battle Slam. It'll be amazing. Again, you can watch the replay of Battle Slam Vendetta happening on Fight TV. It's available right now, so make sure you check it out. We had a lot of fun with that show as pro wrestling collides with hip hop. And there's already been some amazing talent announced for Battle Slam Fight for Atlanta. Some of that talent includes Rekka Tahaka. We also know that Myron Reed, the current MLW middleweight champion, will be there. Dante Martin from AEW is coming through. And the current Impact Knockouts women's champion, Tasha Steeles, she'll be in the building. So already, the lineup is nuts. So get your tickets right now. You can go to Eventbrite and look for Battle Slam that way. Or if you follow Battle Slam on Facebook or Twitter, you can find the links to purchase your tickets there. It's a special event and you don't want to miss it. I am so honored to be an official part of the Battle Slam team. Just absolutely amazing stuff. All right. From Battle Slam, we go to an event that took place over the weekend at 
a promotion called IWE. They call themselves Intense Wrestling Entertainment. They run out of Augusta, Georgia, and a number of the folks who work there are also a part of SHW. One of their champions is Joe Black, who is a former SHW champion. We've spent quite a bit of time talking about Joe Black, certainly here on The Faction and wherever else you may find us talking about wrestling. Joe Black, I think, is one of the best unsigned talents in this business and, quite frankly, should have been signed a long time ago. Be that as it may, he was involved in a title match there, won the match. After the match, he and a fan got into an altercation where the fan proactively headbutted Joe Black. It really turned into a situation. Hundreds of thousands of views of this video have happened. There have been all sorts of stories talking about it. And I just want to lend my two cents to this particular issue. One of the things that I think should never ever happen is a fan putting their hands on a wrestler just like i don't believe a wrestler should put their hands on a fan with that said joe black never touched this fan he flicked his cap off but didn't touch him but the response from this fan was a full-on headbutt which turned into a full-on melee of sorts so there are two issues first and foremost fans never ever 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 cross that line by putting your hands on a wrestler if you do you take into your own hands what could end up happening and i will say as part of the business i would want my fellow brothers and sisters to step up for me to defend me to fight alongside me if anyone decided to cross that line so that leads me to point number two there is a growing level of disappointment about the number of wrestlers who did not step in to help defend Joe Black. If you'll notice on some of the videos, you'll see more wrestlers trying to hold the fan back and trying to hold Joe Black back. Meanwhile, Joe Black, William Huckabee, Tyreek, those guys really kind of went for it in terms of trying to defend Joe Black against this absolutely crazy fan, which let me just say this. Crazy fans don't have a place in the world of pro wrestling. I'm just going to be honest. They don't have a place in the world of pro wrestling. And what happens in the state of Georgia is obviously you have fans who are of all races, religions, colors, creeds, belief systems. And I don't want to make a particular assertion or accusation about this particular fan, but let's just say you can't be all there if you actually try to proactively attack Joe Black. With that said, don't ever think that it's a good idea to attack a wrestler. Never, ever, ever. I don't care what happens. Don't do it. I don't care what they say. I don't, just don't do it. With that also said, I think it is uh, unfortunate that a number of other wrestlers did not step up. Joe Black made a statement at an event he was at on Sunday to express his concerns, to express his thought process. And from there, you know, we'll see where this goes. The other issue here is this is not the first time that a fan has crossed the line at that particular promotion. 
It happened earlier this year, oddly enough, against Joe Black. And then there was a third incident that happened recently. So I think the issue now is what is said promotion doing to ensure the safety of its performers? If wrestlers have to worry about being attacked by fans because the security isn't doing what needs to be done, then there's a larger problem here that needs to be addressed. These incidents of fans crossing the line is problematic. And so I think that the promotion has to take some level of responsibility for not ensuring a safe work environment for their wrestlers. Now, I've not been there, but I know a number of people who have and who work that particular promotion. And apparently there is this unique combination of regular booze that people have available to them. Uh, so that is a thing and I don't want to tell people how to run their promotions bottom line is this fans should never cross that line and there should always be enough security to ensure that that doesn't happen look historically with what has happened in WWE and AEW when a fan attempts to cross the line if they make it to the stage or they make it to the wrestler they are immediately stomped out and snuffed out there's nobody trying to hold the wrestler back from the fan and so I think that's something that's going to have to be addressed and dealt with. And hopefully it will, because at the end of the day, our wrestlers need to be safe. Fans obviously need to be safe, but fans, we've got to make smarter decisions. And it's never a smart decision to put your hands proactively on a wrestler just not a good move. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the other massive piece of news that's happening right now. Well, really, there are two pieces, but this one is a big one that everybody's talking about. Let's get into it when we return. Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. Simon Dallas Bacon here at Southern Honor Wrestling. What Jericho is here Because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see 
all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How do we get on Southern an Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, Okay, family, so clearly by now you have heard, if you've not heard, so there was a big deal that happened at Monday Night Raw last night. It was announced at the top of Monday Night Raw that there would be a six-pack women's challenge to determine the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, I will tell you, initially when I saw this, uh, my, my eyebrows kind of went up almost like The Rock, though I'm not as good as The Rock with his people's eyebrow. Because the women's tag team champion Sasha Banks and Naomi were entered into this six pack challenge to determine the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, immediately, I thought this was weird because why would your current reigning tag champions who have not been having singles matches suddenly be pushed into a singles match for a number one contender spot for the Raw Women's Championship? Then we would find out later in the show that Naomi and Sasha had left the building. And as the story continued to develop, here's what we know. The story goes like this, that apparently earlier in the day, Naomi and Sasha were made aware of this particular match and had, well, instead of me even telling you that, how about I read to you the statement that WWE has made publicly? Here's what they said, quote, when Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into the head of talent relations, John Laurinaitis. They walked into his office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag titles on his desk and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions. And even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed that they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event. 
And so with that said, the main event was changed from a six-person challenge to a one-on-one match between Asuka and Becky Lynch with the winner getting a shot at Bianca Belair. Well, we now know that the winner was Asuka, who will now get her championship opportunity against Bianca Belair at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. But everybody's wondering, are we witnessing a work or did this really happen? A couple of additional details that we know. One of those details is that apparently Sasha Banks went into Vince McMahon's office to discuss her issues and concerns with this main event match. She was dismissed. As a result of that, she went on and decided to leave, as did Naomi. So what are my thoughts? There are questions as to whether or not this is a work or a shoot. Let's start with the idea that this really did happen. I have to commend Sasha Banks and Naomi for standing up for themselves. Now, one of the things that has come out and that really has not come out, it's very obvious, the fact that the WWE Women's Tag Team Division leaves a lot to be desired. When this thing started a couple of years ago with Sasha and Bailey as your inaugural tag champions, it just seemed like this had potential to be amazing. They were traveling to Raw, SmackDown, and even NXT to defend these championships, and it seemed as though there was an investment in the idea of women's tag team wrestling. There have been a couple of real legitimate teams that have held those titles. Kyrie Sane and Asuka. Even the team of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, who I thought were great tag team champions. And of course, there were the Iconics, right? Who, I don't know that they were the greatest tag team champions, but at least they were an organized tag team. The state of tag team wrestling in WWE on the women's and men's side leaves a lot to be desired, though at least on the men's side, we can point to a couple of teams that have gelled that actually make sense as a tag team, whether that is the Raw Tag Team Champions of RK-Bro, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions of the Usos, or you can look at some other teams like the Street Profits, Alpha Academy. You could argue the Dirty Dogs as well. But I just mentioned five or maybe six tag teams in the incredibly deep roster of WWE. Several of these teams, like Alpha Academy, like RK-Bro, are teams that were just kind of thrown together that eventually gelled and found chemistry. So I don't see a great commitment to the tag team division in WWE. On the women's side, it's far worse. It just seems like people are thrown together as tag teams. Consider WrestleMania itself. You had the tag champions, which were a makeshift team of Queen Zelina and Carmella, which really didn't have much in the way of chemistry, in my opinion. Firstly, defending against Sasha and Naomi. And when we heard that Sasha and Naomi would team up, it just sounded like a dream team. Feels like Naomi was finally able to shine. It gave Sasha an opportunity to really do something that could have significance. Then it turned into a triple threat, which added Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, which another makeshift team But I actually like this team, and I think it was built on the strength of Rhea Ripley plus the rising star of Liv Morgan. And I said when this triple threat was supposed to happen that really your two teams that you want to see are Sasha and Naomi and Rhea and Liv. 
Before we get to WrestleMania, a fourth team is added, another makeshift team that consists of two former tag team champions, Natalia and Shayna Baszler. In fact, it was the team of Natalia along with Tamina that defeated Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax to become the women's tag team champions. That was last year. So makeshift teams abound. They have a fatal four-way at WrestleMania, a really solid match. Naomi and Sasha come out as tag team champions, which we all expected. But then comes the big question, who do they actually battle? And this entire time, they've been given makeshift tag teams. Their tag team title match was not featured on the pay-per-view, which when we look at the disrespect to tag team wrestling in WWE, we have to consider the fact that they were going to headline the WrestleMania Backlash pay-per-view with a tag team title unification match. Two weeks before the match, it gets switched to a six-man tag, and now said unification match is going to randomly happen on SmackDown this week. How much sense does that make that you have a title unification match not happening at a pay-per-view, or excuse me, a premium live event? So there's really an argument that can be made that the lack of creativity and respect in the tag team division is a serious thing and it's even worse in the women's tag team division i'd like for you if you can as if you're talking back to me to list or name actual tag teams in the women's division you can't because there aren't any outside of the tag team champions. So if you have tag team champions with nobody to fight, what are they actually champions of? How much respect are you putting on them? You separate your tag teams like crazy. The other potential team I saw for them was, of course, Rhea and Liv. Neither Rhea nor Liv belong in a tag team. So that tag team broke up shortly after WrestleMania. Rhea is now part of Judgment Day, which I love. Liv is now seemingly part of this newly formed Bullet Club, which I actually love that as well. But that leaves the question, who on earth are Naomi and Sasha, who are both great individual wrestlers, former women's champions in their own right, now great tag team champions, who do they have to fight? Who do they have to defend the titles against? There are no women's tag teams in WWE. So then to throw them without any sort of provocation, without any sort of lead up into a match that's set up for a number one contender spot for the Raw Championship, that makes no sense. And that's not a knock to Bianca Belair. It's a knock to whoever is doing creative. You mean to tell me that there aren't other female wrestlers who could be in that spot and lend the tag team champions an opportunity to actually defend their titles? Well, as I've stated, who are they defending against? We don't know. And so it is extremely plausible that Sasha Banks and Naomi got fed up and said, why are you putting us in this space? Give us some tag teams. They were told no. And they said, here, take your belts. We're out of here. That's very plausible. Here's the other side of it. There are those that are arguing that this is a work. And on one hand, I'm like, given WWE's current creative track record, I don't see the WWE being creative enough to say, I've got this new storyline, it's gonna be this. 
I don't see that level of creativity. It has not been demonstrated over the last decade. And then if you look at some of the creative things that were placed in the lap of WWE, they didn't do anything with it. For instance, why is it that it is 2022 and we're just starting to see AJ Styles and Finn Balor team up and show the Bullet Club sign, right? Why did that wait so long? Why did we only get one match from them? And that was just because AJ Styles' initial opponent was sick. And so they ended up having to do a makeshift match at a pay-per-view between AJ Styles and Finn Balor. Why has this not been capitalized on? It does not make any sense. There have been so many things literally placed in the hands of WWE that their creative has just thrown away. Bray Wyatt or all that's gone on with Alexa Bliss to now she's just back as Alexa Bliss without any sort of dark side. The last year or two have seemingly meant nothing. There are so many creative balls being dropped by WWE that I can't really believe that they would create this as a storyline. The only thing that's making me wonder is that they have been so vocal about this issue on social media, which historically they've not been. They usually don't talk about these kinds of things when they happen. It's usually mums the word. But I noticed throughout the night on Raw last night, there continued to be references made to the fact that there was originally supposed to be a six-pack challenge, but then Sasha and Naomi walked out. There were shots taken at their professionalism, et cetera, et cetera. When in times past in WWE, those things wouldn't even be mentioned. You guys remember just a couple of weeks ago, right around WrestleMania, there was this rumor floating around that Ronda Rousey apparently left the Hall of Fame ceremony early and that she left because she didn't like what the proposed finish of their match was going to be at WrestleMania. Nobody ever mentioned that on camera. Nobody ever talked about that. WWE didn't even acknowledge it. Of course, on Twitter, Ronda responded, but WWE never made a statement. So it's this moment that makes me wonder, are we getting worked or not? I will go on record and say this. If this is a work from WWE, it's brilliant. Now, I want to see how it plays out. But the initial conversation, the initial attention makes a whole lot of sense. But I'm not sure. I'm not really convinced whether or not this is a work or if this is really happening. And there are parts of me that are still leaning toward the fact that this is really happening. The big question now is, what does the future hold for Sasha and Naomi? Will they be reprimanded somehow? I mean, it's not the first time that WWE has promoted a main event and it didn't happen or promoted a match and it didn't happen. Just a couple of weeks ago, speaking of Sasha and Naomi, they were initially supposed to have this tag title match that happened uh, with Rhea and Liv, but it mysteriously didn't happen and turned into a singles match and nobody made an apology for it. Nobody gave an explanation in terms of where Rhea Ripley was. And part of me believes perhaps she might have been ill or unable to attend, but nobody said anything. So I think... It's trying to look at those tea leaves and see what's real, what's Memorex. What I do know is it is hard to argue with the fact that the women's tag titles have not been respected, that this current set of champions has not been respected well because they have not given them great teams to fight, and that 
there is little to no commitment seemingly from WWE toward their women's tag division. So does this mean that Sasha and Naomi will continue working with WWE? Will they leave the company? Will they be released? I don't know. History tells us this. A couple of months back when Jeff Hardy seemingly left a match at a house show, WWE didn't acknowledge it publicly. Over the next couple of days, he would ultimately be fired. Later on, we would find out that indeed him being fired because of alleged substance abuse. Well, there was no substance abuse. The drug test came back clean. But they never talked about it publicly. They never made a statement publicly. So that's why I'm wondering, maybe this is a work. Maybe it's not. What do you think? Let us know right now on the socials at The Faction Show. Again, a reminder, you can check out Battle Slam on Fight TV right now. Let us know what you think about the event, commentary, etc. I'm honored to be doing commentary there with Suge D, who I'm a big fan of. On top of that, if you haven't done so already, shout out to everybody who already has purchased one of the new shirts titled Bet on You. It's new merch from my own merch line that's on ProWrestlingTees.com. You can head to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfide and grab your shirt or multiple shirts today. I am just so overwhelmed by how many of you have responded and have purchased shirts, want to be a part of the movement. It is amazing. So head to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfide and grab your shirt today. All right, we'll get out of here. Have an absolutely amazing day. Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I need my pain.